Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. And tonight, we are joined by two great guests, Peter Malone Elliott and Alexander Sharp, whose movie, Wired Shut, is available now on Vudu for rent or purchase. It came out this past August. Am I correct, guys? It's uh, It came out in the UK previously. It's coming out in North America November 30th. Okay, November 30th. Uh so I did watch it. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how I watched it. I did not bootleg it. Okay, so I want to get that all cleared wow. up. I don't bootleg. Thank God. I don't, Goodness. Goodness. I, I gave up bootlegging movies back in the '90s <laughs> as a teenager. So anyway, welcome guys. Uh, it's an honor to have you here. Now, both of you guys wrote this. Uh, you produced it, Alexander. You directed it. Before we get to the movie, I want to hear, and let's start with Peter first. How did you guys meet and start working together? Yeah, sure. Um, so we met uh, in film school. Uh, we both went to Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles. We met our sophomore year uh, through a mutual friend. We met uh, in their dorm room, and he I thought he looked like Paul Bettany. So I told him that he looked like Paul Bettany, and a friendship was struck. <laughs> Is that how you remember it, Alexander? I remember it as if it were yesterday. I remember being in Blake Simon and Jared Seltzer's dorm room and in walked Peter. Uh, and I thought, um, from my perspective, I thought I was looking at Justin Timberlake. Please. Please. Peter has, Peter has, fun, just one quick thing. Peter has a, well, had, had, I don't know anymore. Yes. A, a, enough sneakers to fill a bathtub at the time. I did. I did. I had, a, at that point in my life, I, I was dedicated myself to like having as many shoes as I possibly could have. So I had a rainbow pair of sneakers. I had a red pair of sneakers. I had a green pair of sneakers. It was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. The college life. Gotta love it. Now, to wire shut. Now, this is like the first feature length film that both of you did, which was financed. By GoFundMe, is that accurate? Partially. That is. Partially, yeah. Yeah, partially. Now, that is becoming uh, a really big trend, uh, crowdfunding for movies and various types of entertainment. Um, but there's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, you, you can't just start a campaign and then just wait for the money to start coming in. There's a lot of different projects that are going up for crowdfunding, so you got to get out there. You got to promote it. You got to let people know what they're giving their money to. What was the approach that you guys took? And let's go with Alexander on this one. What approach did you guys take to get the funding and market this campaign? Um, well, we had done it before. We had done uh, a series. I had done a series of shorts through college, uh, through film school, and all of which were crowdfunded on Indiegogo. And it kind of was just a process of trying and failing and trying again and getting a little bit more and trying again, getting a little bit more. Um, we did, I did, a, my junior thesis was a thriller and I got five grand to do that. Uh, my senior thesis was a, a well, it was, it was an attempt at a comedy, I don't know. You know, I tried. I, I tried. I thought it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, uh, 
and and you know we got a little bit more to do that and then and then peter and i ended up after coming out of lmu and graduating we did a short film called ziggy's will mm -hmm. which went through can and manchester and uh washington and a couple other places in la and so we we had we had a real pretty penny for that one and and we we knew what we were doing in, in some sense and we had kind of cultivated a following i think it's very difficult oh, if yeah. you are i mean you're right i mean if you just go if your expectation is i'm just going to go online and start a video and tell them about the movie i want to make i mean no you're not going to have much luck <laughs> it's tough it's tough now uh so peter you guys got money partially from the crowdfunding when the movie was filmed put together at which point did you guys get distribution so we it was a long the, the entire film was a long process so i wrote the script in 20 late 2018 we shot it in march of 2019 we finished post-production a year later in march 2020 right as the pandemic hit so the timing was fantastic yeah. it was really good <laughs> and then we and then we sold it to 101 films the distributor i want to say alex in april of this year april does that sound about right march april february yeah. around there yeah, yeah in the spring yeah yeah did somewhere you, around there did you guys uh, go through the uh the film festival circuit or was this not in we we applied the sum, um, but ultimately how this worked was uh, we have we had a great sales agency uh, on board to shop it to distributors, and uh, so MPX was our sales agency, and they took it to a bunch of distributors, and one hundred and one ended up being the one that we go with that we went with. Oh, so. awesome! Now, Peter, the, oh, go on. Sorry, no, I, no, go on. The idea, the idea was to go to festivals. Um, initially, Peter, and as I said, we, we had done a lot of shorts and every single time it's like, come see Ziggy's Will on Sunday morning at 9am in short film block C <laughs> yeah. in a series of seven short films in sequence. I mean, it's like, who comes to that stuff? You know what I mean? So we, you know, it wasn't out of spite, but it, it was in order to be taken seriously. We wanted to do a feature because it was like Friday night. Peter and Alex, 7 p.m., main auditorium, debut feature film. Mm -hmm. So we were like, we got to do a feature. Yeah. I mean, and so, the, but, and then COVID happened, and then we kind of had to recalibrate. Oh, yeah. we, we landed distribution instead. Exactly. Yeah. And the whole industry is still undergoing a change with COVID. Now, Peter, uh, you have quite a few uh, acting credits. Now, when you got out of college, was your intent uh, to solely be an actor and then you got into writing and doing more behind the camera work or was no, uh, quite the opposite? Actually, I've, I always I've always known it was going to be writing. I just I did acting. I kind of fell into I don't act anymore, but I did acting for a little while and I fell into it because I had a writing teacher that told me that uh, very wisely said that all writers should take an acting class at least once you know, to get a yeah. handle on dialogue and how to talk to actors and blah, blah, blah. And I ended up really liking it. So I, I pursued that for a few years, three, four years. And we did our short film together, which I was the lead in, which was a lot of fun for me. Um, and I did a play that I was the lead of that I got produced back in LA. Um, but I ultimately decided that I wanted to focus exclusively on writing. Yeah. Awesome. And now for Alexander, 
you're the director of Wired Shot. I assume that was, you know, predetermined before you guys, even while you were writing the script. Uh, what, out of college, what was your journey? What what was your expectation? Did you want to be behind the camera directing? Is that where your passion was? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was one of those kids on the cam, uh, kids with a camera. I mean, I was one of those kids with a camera who, you know, would invite their high school friends after class to shoot mini shoot 'em up things on the street and we'd cause a ruckus and the neighbors would be seriously alarmed and it's like <laughs> no, no 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 they're nerf guns it's <laughs> no i i was always fascinated by um uh well actually that's not necessarily true i should go back for a second um uh my sister where it all started for me, certainly after college directing, yes. But my sister, I think, is to blame because she always knew she wanted to be an actress. She's in the film. Mm -hmm. She plays Emmy. Um, and she started taking acting classes uh, at a very early age um, with uh, Michael Bublé's sister, actually, Crystal Bublé. Wow. Very talented actress. Yeah. And... And I didn't really know what I wanted to do at the, I was convinced I should be doing archeology span because I watched Indiana Jones. A little, I, a few too many times, probably. It's <laughs> <laughs> a couple. And so um, I just decided to go along with it. So I did a little bit of acting like Peter. Um, I think we share that. I don't know. I, it was fun and it was cool, but I, I and then it was about making short films so that I could act in them and play, you know, my version of James Bond at the age of 13. And then it was like, oh my God, I actually like composing the, you know, covering a scene and figuring that out. And then I started looking up directing and then I decided, okay, I'm gonna direct. Nice, nice. Now you guys both being in college together and then graduating, getting into the real world and you guys start doing these short films. Peter, how valuable uh, was the education as opposed to on-the-job experience? When you guys finish college and you're out there and you're making these shorts professionally and then eventually leading to full feature films. Uh, so sorry, just to clarify, you're asking me the... The difference what? between, I mean, the the education, the classroom, as opposed to being on the field, getting set experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, so I was I was a screenwriting major at LMU. So a lot of my classes were, you know, classroom based writing, you know, writers, rounds, tables, workshopping, etc. Um, so my onset experience in college was somewhat limited. I mean, we had to do some production work as a screenwriting, but it was mostly writing for obvious reasons. Um, so I, I didn't have a lot to compare it to when I got out of school. And then I started acting and doing shorts and doing commercials and whatnot and going on auditions. And I saw that uh, <laughs> as valuable as it is to learn about the art, art and craft, the kind of the, the baby goes out with the bathwater once you're out in the real world and you have to adapt and use everything that you've learned in a completely pressure cooker scenario yeah. that a school that you don't always learn in school. Um, so doing shorts was before Wired Shut was a really valuable experience. And I think I won't speak for Alex, but I 
learned a lot about how to write for actors and how to be an effective person on set through shorts before we got to Wired Shut. Nice. Now, uh, Alex, Alexander, is it okay if I call you Alex or you Alexander? Please do. Okay, okay. Cause, I, you sound like my father if you come Yeah, back. my <laughs> brain just goes to Alex. Now, Alex, um, yeah. you know, the movie's coming out what date exactly again? November what? 30th. 30th, at the end of the month. Now, for people that are watching this and are hearing about Wired Shut for the first time, in your own words, uh, describe what Wired Shut is about. Ooh. Oh, wow. I feel like that's, this is going to be interesting because I'm going to be looking at Peter the whole time um, to make sure he's not going to Don't mess me. this up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, well, Wired Shut is a home invasion. It's a through and through home invasion thriller. Um, uh, it, it, it follows a uh, notoriously washed up, previously plumed novelist. Um, his wife hates him um, and and has divorced him. His daughter hates him. Um, he has been excommunicated from society back to his mountaintop uh, $15 million treehouse. And so, uh, and to boot, his uh, jaw is wired shut and he has to drink his dinners through a straw. That's because um, he's recuperating from surgery. That's correct. That's correct. Prior to the film's uh, opening, yeah. he uh, gets into a car accident. Um, and uh, lo and behold, um, one evening, his estranged daughter shows up on his doorstep for no conceivable reason. Um, and things sinisterly unfold from there. Spiral out of control. Very well said. That's that's pretty good, Peter. Do you do you like that? Yeah, that works. Yeah, I, that was that was unrehearsed. I... <laughs> no, no, it was spot on. Now, Peter. Now, you guys both uh, had a hand in writing this. Now, when if we look it up on IMDb, it says from one of you story by. And then the other one says screenplay by or something like that. So, Peter, explain to us how the writing process worked between you two guys. Yeah. So uh, I wrote the script and Alex and I developed the story together. Um, so basically what we did with this is we kind of reverse engineered the movie because we, we knew we wanted to make a feature, but we knew it had to be, you know, very few locations it had to be contained we had to do it do it for not a lot of money and what what could we conceivably do with the elements that we had that would be an interesting story um we both love the home invasion thriller you know genre and the the idea kind of came to me when someone in my life had the surgery that reed has in the movie mm -hmm. and i was watching this person go through this like well wait a minute what if what would what would that be like but put in the most just absolutely dangerous circumstances possible like what if you needed to talk but you couldn't and your life depended on that fact wow. and then it kind of just snowballed from there um so yeah so uh so we we worked on the story together and then i wrote the script in about about a month uh, over the course of november 2018 and yeah. then, yeah, and then, and then we kind of was off to the races. Yeah. Nice. So, Alex, uh, when it came time to casting, did that 
Did the pieces for the cast fall into place rather easily, or did you guys have to go through a pretty extensive process to process to pick the cast? Uh, we didn't have that much time. Um, by the time we knew that we, I had said to Peter, fantastic. I love the idea. Let's do it. Um, and we had no idea what we were doing. Um, absolutely no clue. And, and we wrote the script and it, and it was, you know, achievable. It was one location and three characters. And that was December of 2018. And then the location sort of magically through a couple of connections um, came, it sort of surfaced. And we were like, we have a two week window in March, which is a couple months away to shoot. Oh, wow. And all we had was a script. And so we were like, do we do this now? Or do we kind of take our time and maybe spend a year like, you know, shaping it and like, and we just said, you know what, it's now or never. No, casting went very quickly. It was um, the uh, Natalie was written in mm-hmm. to the to the script as Emmy. Yeah. Um, um, Reed, we Reed and Preston were cast pretty pretty quickly. We we didn't have a lot of we had self tapes come in, and we did our due diligence of looking through casting workbook and you know um, all all the all the casting websites. Um, and it starts with the headshots, and and then it goes to the reels, and then it's and then it's bringing them in. But as soon, I, I'll tell you what: as soon as Peter and I saw Blake Stadel as Reed, and as soon, mm-hmm. especially, especially the great Betash Bazlali, um, oh, yeah. as Preston, we 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 cast them pretty much right away. Yeah, awesome. Now, Peter, of course doing any kind of medium to low budget film, everybody has to do more. You know, this is not a studio film where you have a crew of three to 500 people. You have uh, PAs that are, their job is to wave a flag or something like that. And everybody has to wear multiple hats. Uh, How I mean, explain to the people how much hard work is involved uh, to put together a medium low budget film, but yet, you know, bring your vision and Alex's vision uh, to life. Explain to us how hard that is. It's very hard. <laughs> um, so, you know, as you said, I mean, usually a production, there's multiple production companies, there's the studio, there's there's a large phalanx of people to do everything. With this, Alex and I did all of the producing and line producing and budgeting and filling out the forms and getting the insurance and getting the props. We did all that ourselves. And then when, when we were shooting, we had a, Alex, it was a 12 person crew, right? 12 person, 10 person. Yeah. 12 to 14. I think. 14. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, even then, I mean, it was super skeletal, you know, down to the bone. Everybody was doing about three or four different jobs. I mean, I, myself, I was, in addition to being writer producer, I was script supervisor. I was a costume supervisor. I was uh, helping out with crafty. I was helping out, you know, running the getting the actors from the their dressing rooms, getting them the set. I mean, it, it, everybody was doing everything, and it is it's something that it's not for the faint of heart. Oh, yeah. But it, but if you can do it, it is 
an incredible, incredible learning experience. I have such respect. And also very rewarding. Yes, very rewarding. Yeah, and I just, I have such a respect for producers now that I didn't, I had no idea. I I hope I never have to fill out another piece of insurance paperwork ever again, because that was (laughs) good enough for a lifetime. (laughs) Now, Alex, you know, producer in the motion picture television industry is the one job role that has the largest umbrella. Basically, anybody that does something to help in the contribution of the film is, you know, in a way, producing it. Um, Would you say producing versus directing, uh, moving forward in your career, uh, do you want to strictly stay with directing or do you want to do some more producing? because it, like I said, it gives you basically everything. You can do everything and, and fall under the umbrella of a producer. So is that something you want to pursue as your career moves on? Or would you like to stick more to di- just directing? Uh, I think I'm, t- that's a good question. That's a very good question. I don't, I think I'm too, um, I think m- my interest comes from, uh, my entryway into it is how to tell a story. Are, are we, you know, when I read a script and the pictures that I have in my head when I read a script mm-hmm. and, and the ideas that come about and now are we going to play a scene in a wide entirely or are we going to go in for coverage for the close-ups? What does the house sound like? What is the... You know, I'm more fascinated by. Um, you definitely have uh, a director's brain. I'm trying. Basically, what I'm saying, Viz, is I'm a control freak. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, I I have a lot of respect <laughs> for producers, and I um uh it, I I I probably would do it eventually. Um um, you know, I'm writing the I'm writing this other horror right now, and. And we, we were saying that it, my co-writer and I, we were like, you know, this is kind of like a great uh, segue as a film into a television series. And we were kind of just fantasizing like, oh, my God, if we sell this thing, like we could be showrunners like, and like, let other people direct it. Like what happened with Child's playing into Chucky, the TV series now? Ex- exactly. Exactly. That's so, awesome. I mean, I, I think it would be fun to do, but I don't think you're ever going to be able to rip a camera out of my hands. I, I it's, I, it's in my marrow. Yeah, it's in your blood. Now, now, Peter, since you both have uh, acting experience, uh, Peter, aren't you in this movie as well? You have a couple of scenes, or no? No, I'm not. No. As an actor, how difficult is it? Now, this is for the both of you to not jump in and do a couple of scenes uh do you find the urge inside you to you know write a role for yourself with wired shut uh maybe initially when i was when i was still kind of pursuing acting maybe i was thinking about it a little bit but no i honestly john the 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 acting bug has completely left my body okay interest me anymore um so which is a real shame because Uh, he's quite good (laughs) and i maintain that just for the record 
Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, never say never, but I, I don't foresee me pursuing that again anytime soon. Okay, that's fair enough. Now, Alex, I've had a lot of directors uh, tell me that 70% of directing is casting. Now, are you the kind of director that once you cast, you sort of let the actors do their thing with your direction, of course, or are you the director that really wants to walk them through frame by frame of every scene? I should probably well, ask this to Peter. He'll put, you know, a more objective answer. <laughs> it probably you're going to get something a little bit more objective. Uh, well, um, firstly, I, I, if that's true, I agree with that. I think, I think, what did you say? 75%? 75% is, is casting. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. Actors solve so many problems for you, you know, um, uh, but um, I, I'm, I'm not terribly interested in, and this goes into the 75%, I'm not terribly interested in the David O. Russell approach of we're going to light a scene from the ceiling, put the camera on a steady cam, and you guys just do stuff and we'll follow you around and we'll cut it together later. I, I come from the, the you know, I, I'm interested in telling the story the way it should be told, mm -hmm. not whether or not you had a bad hair day and okay. you wanna be this side today. It's like- You so, and I don't have that problem. No, we don't, no. <laughs> now, Peter, uh, I'm gonna ask this to both of you. I'm gonna start with Peter. Coming out of this film, when it's all said and done with, what would you say was the biggest challenge to Wired Shot? Mm. Well, <laughs> it, I, I kind of screwed us in the sense that I wrote a movie that took place basically all at night. And we had to do very, very long night shoots. So each day was 12 hours and it was from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Wow. You know, it, it, the first night or two, the adrenaline's gone. It's like, all right, yeah, we're good. Woo -woo. And then like the third or fourth night, your the eyes are droopy. It's like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> so it was definitely a bit of an endurance run. Um, but I mean, that said, it, it was just an incredible experience. I wouldn't take back or redo any of it. You know, it was just wonderful. Now, Alex, as director, what was the biggest challenge that you had to face uh, doing Wired Shut? It's fun. Is it boring if I say also staying up all night? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, in fact, if that was the biggest challenge that you guys had to face, that was, it sounds like you guys had a pretty smooth uh, shoot. Well, I, it was I, the I, most I, memorable I, challenge. Yeah. <laughs> it was the most memorable challenge. Um, uh, it, 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 it was our, it was both of our first feature film. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, no matter how you approach, I think your first feature, um, it, even if you've done a series of shorts, the, the, the thing that really was disorienting for me was, um, the sheer length of the shoot. Mm -hmm. I, I had never really shot a short beyond, you know, three days or, you know, two weekends with a week in between where I could just, cause that was film school, right? Yeah. Shot on the weekend. But, 
Um, this was two weeks back to back and coupled with everything is not chronological. So, I mean, you, you, you go, I mean, day one, Peter, we, we shot the middle of the script and, and then day two, we shot the final scene of the script. Yes. And then day three, we went back to the beginning of the movie. <laughs> no. So it's, it's, I mean, that was quite, it was like, you have to kind of like remember where you are yeah. in the story. Now, um, now tell us, Alex, for Wired Shut in particular, why did you shoot it out of sequence? Um, well, you, it, uh, boringly, it's about efficiency. And, and so, you know, we have this house, we have the script. In a, just about any house, you've got everything you need in this script that's about a house. You've got Reed's office. You've got a room for his bedroom. You've got a kitchen of some sorts. Um, and so you break up the script and block it all together based on location. So one day would be solely in Emmy's guest room. Mm -hmm. One day would be solely in the kitchen. One day would be solely in Reed's office. So that you don't have to, to keep go moving back stuff and, and yeah, and, yeah, gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, and something something else just to kind of add to that. I mean, we we both got really lucky because we did. I mean, shooting a feature film in twelve days is just objectively insane. There's <laughs> a lot of ground to cover, and we wouldn't have been able to do that if our three actors weren't just ready to rock and roll. I mean, we we had to we did a lot of pages every day, and you know, Natalie and Blake and Baytash just were ready to rock and roll as soon as we hit the ground. Nice. And, they delivered performances that are incredible, but they were also so ready. We didn't have to do a lot of takes and draw things out of them, which if we had, I don't know if we would have been able to finish the movie in time. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. Now I asked Alex to give us the synopsis earlier of the film, which he did wonderfully. Now, Peter, I'm going to ask you when we get to the horror elements of wired shut, what should the audience expect? Are we talking about psychological? Uh, are we talking about blood and gore? Or are we talking a mix of both? Uh, it's it's definitely a psychological type of thing. I would say uh, for your viewers, the first two acts are a slow burn psychological thriller. And then the third act into the climax is when things really, really start to ramp up and the pacing gets much more quick. Okay. Uh, probably what I would say, yeah. Now, uh, this goes for both of you, but Peter, I'm going to ask you, uh, are you both lifelong horror fans? Do you particularly enjoy, are you fans of horror? Or did this script fall into place and the horror elements just worked best? Um, I, I love psychological thrillers with a little bit of horror in them. Um, I, I think things like Misery, uh, things like uh, a big influence for us was Cape Fear, that mm. movie, which is, you know, it's, Robert it's De Niro. Robert De Niro, the, the Scorsese remake. Yeah, and it's a psychological thriller, but with horror in there. And so kind of that perfect blend of the two. So those were those were two big influences that we were looking at in terms of the type of horror that we wanted to do now alex when uh you know while directing what did you did you draw on any prior horror films like peter just said it's a psychological thriller did you draw on any you know of your favorite psychological thrillers from the past to help you direct this 
I, I would say, um, uh, well, Peter and I saw Cape Fear together at the same time for the first time. And it was at that moment that we turned to each other and said, oh my God. <laughs> and it hadn't occurred to me that, I don't know why, um, but it hadn't occurred to me that you could just have the final, you could, it didn't occur to me that you could do a family drama that became a psychological thriller. And then for the final 30 minutes, be pure, sensationalistic, sadistic, psychological and physical violence mm -hmm. with a maniac that's gone off the deep end and there's no real more story it didn't occur to me um um uh, for whatever reason and it and it and it was that kind of just a little bit of an over-the-top villain you know just to for fun you know it's not like so realistic that and, but it's also not completely laughable it's kind of the balance of max katie or yeah. even dare i say the Joker, you know, yeah. it's one of those guys who you are terrified of, but you can't wait to see him again yep. because he's just so deliciously evil. Yeah, it, Not the trick balancing it being a super heightened and stylized like the Cape Fear type Max Cady thing, but also not have it devolve into being a mustache twirling supervillain. Gotcha, right? gotcha. Uh, but gotcha. but there are there, there were there are you know I I, I certainly. Um, was on set shooting and I was, you know, this kind of feels a little bit like Saw and, you know, uh, this kind of feels a little bit like uh, Misery. And I, 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 I didn't want to do, I, I'm, I am a fan of horror just to say, um, uh, but I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to do a gore filled splatter fest no. just for the sake of doing it. I wanted to tell a story as Peter did about a father and a daughter. And I wanted to start there and I wanted to set the playing board. And then I wanted to take a baseball bat to the board itself gotcha. and have everything go crazy. Yep. So it kind of, you know, I hope it's a lot of things, but I don't know that it's through and through horror. Okay. Now there's not a lot of dialogue in Wired Shop because like you just said, the, the character is recuperating from surgery, his jaw, is wired shut while he recuperates so that leaves the actors you know and you as a director having to work with movement and uh visually setting up each scene having little dialogue uh would you say that is helpful hurtful from a filmmaker's point of view like, uh, I, I think Taylor Sheridan, Peter, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he said he's allergic to exposition. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I loved, when Peter told me, I, I love telling the story with images. I love silence. I'm, a, I'm obsessed with it. Um, I think it's beautiful. I, I, you know, not to say that I don't appreciate and equally adore you know, the work of the likes of Aaron Sorkin, mm -hmm. where it's just like Gatlin yeah. gun verbally. But uh, I, what really moves me is um, uh, cinematic silence and, and um, how to tell the challenge of how to tell a story visually um, um, in, in, in sort of tableau frames. And, you know, it, it's like, if you can, I think the best movies are, 
ones that you can mute them and still understand what's going on. Um, that's that's my personal opinion. In fact, and I, I, yeah, I was just going to say, I had a guest like last week who said, uh, you know, for any director, you would recommend and go back and go back and watch every film from the silent film era. Era, yeah, because you can tell a story with absolutely no words, and it's all. Yeah. Uh, body movement and the cinematography itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was a it was a big challenge for me because I personally I love dialogue. Uh, <laughs> so so says the writer. <laughs> we were yeah no we were like this the whole time, John. We were <laughs> <laughs> no. I, so like it was it was a challenge uh, approaching a story that by the, you know, the hook, conceptual hook, there wasn't going to be a lot of dialogue. Mm -hmm. And it was one that I was initially reluctant and kind of scared about a little bit, but then I really started to embrace it and lean into it. I mean, I think in the film there's five or six scenes with substantial dialogue. I mean, and, and one of them is there's, a, well, I can't, I, I can't talk about it without giving it away, but there's a scene where there's a long monologue. And that's like forty percent, fifty percent of the film's dialogue. Um, so it was it was a lot of fun doing a movie with no with not a lot of dialogue, and it really in, taught me the importance of silence, like Alex is saying, and that a really well crafted moment of cinematic silence can do wonders and say something and communicate something better than great dialogue could sometimes. I totally, I totally agree. Now, Peter. You guys, when you guys started principal photography, of course you had the script in hand. Did you guys adjust in the moment when you were there and you were actually shooting and you had the script and then you, it came time to shoot a particular scene and you and Peter, you turned to Alex or Alex turned to Peter and said, you know what? The way we have this on paper just doesn't feel right anymore. And let's make a little bit of a change. Did that ever happen, Peter? No, oh, I was like Aaron Sorkin. You have to say it exactly the way I wrote it. No, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was there was definitely a couple of scenes where we had to tweak some things because just some dialogue wasn't quite working. There were a couple of moments that didn't quite exactly work. We had to think on our feet. Yeah, I mean, that's but that's kind of the beauty of filmmaking, right? Is you have to be able to adapt and constantly evolve. Yeah, you know? and script is a living organism it's not you know i i i love novels and I'm, i just finished writing one but a script is not a novel no. you know it's it's something that's meant to be built upon exactly and, yeah so so yeah. alex uh in the post-production phase was it the both of you uh going there and going through the whole po post-production was it just mainly you alex uh who was there in post-production uh, Peter, yeah. Peter popped his head in from time to time, yeah. uh, just to make sure. Well, Peter did point at you saying that you're the one that pretty much did it. Oh, did he just now? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, I, I, um, it, we had, I mean, you know, I'm in Vancouver, Peter's in LA, now New York. Um, but, but, uh, uh, we, you know, I edited, I did an assembly cut from my desk, uh, just over there. Um, I, I sent it off to my co-editor and um, uh, filmmaking partner, Blake Simon, uh, who did the second cut. Um, my sound designer, Greg 
Summers, who did a fabulous job giving the house a character, is over in White Rock in British Columbia. I mean, it was all kind of mostly here. Um, and it wasn't until, I mean, Peter, I, it wasn't really until I came down to L.A. to do visual effects um, yeah. at therapy with Jeff, where you really got to kind of enjoy it in its, yeah. I mean, that we were at that point, we were, you know, painting out the house neighboring house outside because we shot in the neighborhood and we needed to make it look like it was isolated uh -huh. so almost every shot in the movies would be effect shot because we got to go and get rid of houses that were next door okay now you know alex this is like you said your first feature film you had done a lot of shorts beforehand did you have any butterflies uh when you started you know principal photography did you get nervous did you suck yourself out about this being your first feature film? Uh, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you I was not nervous. Uh, I absolutely was nervous. Um, they were, I like, I like how you said butterflies. When I was acting in high school, um, and I'll never forget it, um, my drama teacher in grade 12, Christina McAllister, um, would say to us, you should all, if you're serious about pursuing acting, you should always feel butterflies. When you're standing on the curtains just off, off stage mm -hmm. left or right, you should, all, you, you should feel butterflies before stepping on um, because that's how you know you're good. Um, it's when you don't feel butterflies. It's when you're not, you know, somewhat unsure of what's going to happen. It, it, it's, it's, it's a, um, you know, if, if I would say, you, I would say cocky, too cocky. That's, you know, that, yeah. If, if you're so arrogant and expert, yeah. <laughs> you know, then, and I think there's uh, some truth to it. So I hope, I hope to always be challenging myself and I hope to always be pushing myself because I think it leads to the best work. Um, I don't want to ever get comfortable and just sort of call action from a chair. You know, I want to be, I want to be in the van at 6am going out to see what location we might shoot at. Nice. Nice. Now, Peter, uh, moving beyond wired shot as a writer, uh, do you want to explore a lot of different genres in your writing, uh, screenplays? Uh, do you have a special affinity now that you did Wired Shut for horror, where do you see yourself going in regards to your writing uh, and genres in general? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the the two <clears throat> genre boxes that I like to play in, whether it be a novel, a script, or a play, I, I, I write. I like to write a lot of period historical stuff, and then I also love really gritty psychological thriller horrors. I, like, those are kind of the two sandboxes I love to play in. Um, and I would love to continue to keep doing those. Um, you know, they're, they're the two types of films that I've always, that I always love watching. So I, I want to put out more of them in the, into the world. And you want to challenge yourself. And I mean, I think the best things is just keep pushing your boundaries and just see, see how far you can go and not pigeon by pigeonhole yourself into a particular genre or whatnot is that something you definitely want to avoid like let's just use horror for example 
10 years down the road from now, uh, do you want to be known as just a horror writer? Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to, in, in order to break into the industry, if I, if I want to be, if to break in, if I'm going to be known as the thriller horror guy and then branch out from there, Mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, but in 10 years, no, I would like to have a more extensive body of work than just, than just horror, just thriller, you know, et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Alex, you touched on this earlier about, you know, shorts to feature, of course, it's a longer shoot, but tell the fans out there, you know, what other differences is there from shooting a short that might be two to five to ten minutes, maybe a little longer, to a movie that is 80, 90 plus minutes? Uh, besides the number of days it takes to shoot, is there really any other difference? Um, for me... For- for me, there wasn't, uh, and I don't. I, I, I and I want to be careful by saying that. I, you know, we shot in one location, so you know we're not trying to shoot downtown and a beach, and uh, then go out to you know uh, the mountains, and then get into a soundstage and, and shoot all these interiors and then try and make it look like it's all one movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the hardest thing to imagine for me. The, the it's tri- that's tricky to answer because I was in one house uh, for two weeks and it relatively looks the same, um, you know, all the way through. I mean, when it's daytime, it's daytime. And when it's night, it's night. And so we had two looks for, um, one for each um it it really just was longer Um, i approached it i approached it the same way now peter when you were writing the script and it came to where you were describing the visual imagery that we see in the movie uh in regards to some horror scenes let's call it um were you very specific on how you wrote down each scene especially in a movie where there's not that much dialogue yes yeah it, it, the 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 challenge of writing a movie like this where there's not a lot of dialogue is you have to the action descriptions that you have to write they have to be incredibly lean and quick and snappy but they have to be very all-encompassing and there has to be a lot of nuance in there so it was it was quite a challenge doing that. Um, and in terms of, you know, I can't really talk about the climax of the movie. No, That's no, 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 yeah. It, there's a very specific moment that I was probably one of the harder visual things I've ever written in terms of how to communicate on the page what it was going to look like. Because I wanted I wanted Alex and whoever else read the script, I wanted it to be an experience, right? And not just a blueprint for, you know, to build a house, right? I, I wanted to, the reader to experience the pain of the climax and the terror of that climax. So it was really about kind of milking the language for all it was worth, for all it was worth, without it coming across as like novelistic. Okay. It was about- now, how receptive would you say Alex was to how you wrote the words on the page and him transforming them into visual motion picture? I don't know. Be nice. Let's pretend he's not here. 
I'm, no, I'll just I'll you stick left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can say in all honesty, the movie wouldn't be what it is without Alex. I mean, Alex, I am so lucky to have a creative partner like him mm-hmm. that so in my brain and knows how to execute exactly what I'm thinking and not only execute it excellently, but elevate it and make it so much better than I thought it ever could be. So I I'm forever in his debt. That's you can't get a better compliment than that, Alex. I'm gonna take it. You're gonna take it. Now, uh this this to both of you, was there any symbolic significance that you guys placed into Reed uh because he was unable to speak? Uh anything that is symbolic to him uh that we sort of see throughout the film or see bits here and there that is significant to Reed. Uh, reed's character yeah i mean from a from a writing standpoint i mean the as alex kind of mentioned earlier i mean it, the 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 heart of the story is the father daughter trying to desperately reconnect and not being able to and then that's the nugget within the genre trappings right um and the fact that he wants to connect with his daughter so much but he physically can't and emotionally isn't equipped yet quite to but he wants to that's the push pull that i think is the kind of the emotional engine in of the movie i think from a writing standpoint absolutely and and not only that he uh he wants to reconnect and he wants to uh, what reed really wants in the movie is all he wants to do is apologize to his daughter Mm -hmm. for the past that's all he wants to do and he and as peter said he physically cannot so what does he decide to do? He decides to return to what he knows how to do in his marrow. Deep deep within, he's going to write her a letter instead. Mm-hmm. And then what do Peter and I do? We give him writer's block. <laughs> That's so Severely neat. crippling writer's block. Uh, that is so mean. <laughs> <laughs> but it plays so well for the film. Now, we're all pretty much out of time, but I want to ask you before we go, I'm going to start with Alex, okay? We're 13 days away from premiere, all right? Mm. Your first feature yeah. film. What are you feeling right now? I am so excited. I have a bottle of Joseph Phelps 2016 Cabernet Sauvignon ready to go, and uh, I'm going to crack that open on the night of. Awesome. Ooh. Peter? Oh, I'm ecstatic. I mean, I it's I, I don't think it's quite sunk in yet. I don't know if it really will until I'm able to turn on my TV and go to Amazon Prime and see it up there. And like, wow, that's something I wrote that people could see. Oh, my God. Um, I'm Yeah, I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic. I, I need to get a really good bottle of bourbon to crack open on the 30th. So, but yeah. Now, now, uh, the website that I usually go to, if there's a movie that I want to see it and see where it's streaming, uh, this website, Just Watch, it has the movie only being available on Vudu. Can you guys clarify, where can people go to watch Wired Shut starting on November 30th? Alex? Easiest, Easiest place to go is Amazon Prime. Okay. You can rent it or buy it if you like it that much. They're all on iTunes and other platforms like that. So yeah. all the pretty ma- the major transactional video on demand services. Yeah. yeah. You guys did a great job with this film. 
in writing it, directing it, putting it together. I think it's a great story. It was done. Alex, I really got to tip my hat. As, I mean, you did a great job uh, with the limited dialogue and the way that you portrayed everything through the, uh, the, the visual images, the body movement. It's great. Peter, you put together a great story. Both of you did a great job producing this film. Uh, for all our viewers, the movie is called Wired Shut, and it is coming out November 30th, just 13 days away. Uh, highly recommend you guys watch it. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Alex. Uh, starting with Peter to Alex, you guys, you have any final thoughts you want to share before we go? Thank you for having us, John, and everybody watching this. I hope you watch the movie and enjoy it. Alex? John, great haircut. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I don't know why people hide baldness. I know, and I, I haven't paid for a haircut in years. Oh, I just wish it would stop this growing, these little patches. I know. I hate yeah. shaving. I, I hate <laughs> it. <laughs> I want to thank you guys. This hour just flew by. This has been such a fun interview. Again, to our audience, the movie's called Wired Shut, coming out November 30th on your retailer of choice. Amazon Prime is the easiest. You can also get it on Voodoo and other places. Thank you to Peter Malone Elliott, to Alexander Sharp. Uh, thank you to our audience for tuning in. Until next time, on behalf of Peter and Alex and myself, Stay safe, guys, and always stay walking. Good night.